Hello there. From Feels Like Friday Films and Radio Nowhere, this is Did You Hear This? With your hosts, Zach and Paul. All right. Hello, everybody. On today's Welcome back. episode, Paul gets a toupee, Zach drops his <laughs> pants, and Gizmo goes invisible. Just don't feed him after midnight. <laughs> Welcome to Did You Hear This? I'm Zach. And as always, I'm Paul. Paul's got an amazing story for us this week. Tell the listeners at home what you've got for us. Something uplifting, just like Star Wars, I'm sure. Uh, this is actually, I would say, kind of an uplifting one. So it's it's been a crazy week for news, as you know. You know, some some going on everywhere. Uh, but the one that I, I decided I wanted to talk about this week is one that is both a, an immediate story, but also one that's that's got a long history. And that's that... Uh, our our esteemed senator from Vermont, uh, Mr. Well, Sanders, not, not our senator. Well, not our senator, sure. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the hey, I will and, fight you. I will be pedantic. I'm all about the pedantry. <laughs> and Congress member Ilan Omar have co-sponsored a bill uh, that would make uh, school meals, so breakfast, lunch, and in some cases dinner, um, free to all students, regardless of need or want. This is an interesting measure here, just based on the two people who are who are sponsoring it, mm-hmm. right? You're gonna immediately get opposition. It wouldn't matter what they put forward. It could be the like, you know, let's get Trump back in office bill. And the MAGA people would see uh, Sanders and, and Ilmar on and they'd be like, nope, no. Yeah, they did manage to pass a partial version of this in 2019, I think. I know they had introduced it originally then, and this is an updated version of that bill. They Um, did, yeah, yeah. as a direct response to COVID, actually. Yeah, and that's actually still in effect. The federal funds for uh, meals as a result of COVID are actually in effect until June of 2022. Um, So this is a system that we've been using, actually, as a country already for a couple of years, and now the question is, can we make it permanent? Now, I, I realize for a lot of our listeners, um, especially those of you who grew up where we did or grew up how we did, school lunch being free doesn't probably sound like a familiar concept to you. I know where we grew up, you were only on free lunch uh, if you were from uh, or if you had specific economic need for it. And that is still the case across the country. Free and reduced lunch programs are based on um income of families, which which is a difficult predictor um, because it can be uh, embarrassing to turn that in. Mm-hmm. It can be embarrassing to pull that card out. And, uh, you know, for us, high school was a while ago. Um, you know, your, your senior year was 2005. Mine was 2006. Shut uh, your and- face, Paul. It was two <laughs> years ago. <laughs> I'm a stunning 24 years old or whatever. Wow, you look terrible. Um, anyway, <laughs> so there's always been a stigma, I think, at least if you grew up where and how we did to this idea of free lunches. Um, and that doesn't make sense the more that you think about it. Zach, I can see you've got a thought here. Well, I was going to say it's, it's very specific here, the stigma Paul's talking about. I think it, it bears clarification. The stigma isn't around like spending money for free lunches in taxation. That was never a concern where we came from. Mm-hmm. Um, it was you are singled out as a poor kid 
who had his free lunch card or whatever system it was. Well, and those those of you who listen to this show, if you're ska fans, you know from the song Pizza Day by the Aquabats, even then in the lyrics, it talks about a, getting a welfare lunch, um, which is not in any way the name of that program, the national one nor the state one in California where I am. Uh, they're not in any way tied to welfare, but they are tied to income. And I think that can have a profound impact on kids. Now, mm-hmm. I grew up in a suburb, so did you. Um, relatively wealthy suburbs. So our experience was that the average kid just bought lunch every day. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I not, not a wealthy family, but by the time I was in high school, solidly middle class. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I went into the cafeteria, the actual cafeteria, not the other vendors at our school mm-hmm. once in the four years I was there. Uh, I either brought lunch or on a rare or special occasion, I did like a burrito from Patty's. Well, and even then it was, uh, there was always something of a stigma to bringing your own lunch from home too. I knew plenty of people who just bought their lunch every day and, you mm. know, it, it could be a little embarrassing to pull out that brown paper sack and where we were. So I can only imagine what it, what it must've been like for um, those who were on the free lunch program. Facing that stigma is a huge mm. uphill battle, especially in high school for kids who were you know, going through the changes of puberty and trying to understand who and how they fit in the world and how, you know, that's that's prime time these days for searching your soul about who you really are and what you want to be. Um, and to add that further stress on top of it is, is I would say, incredibly traumatizing for students. Um, yeah. And on the other end of things, you hear stories like this all the time uh, from news sources and from not so news sources from fun media like uh, Reddit, BuzzFeed, et cetera, of people who don't have free school lunch programs. And when their kid's tab gets too high, they will not feed them any food. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or if they don't have the the money for the lunch that day, there's a free lunch that they provide, which is like a slice of Kraft cheese on top of a a piece of Wonder Bread. Mm -hmm. And so you can pick out, hey, that's the kid who couldn't afford lunch today. You know, well, and, and go ahead. those things are, I mean, you're looking at malnourishing or not nourishing kids at all, where if the point of school is education, uh, that's not helping. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at really singling them out and saying you are inferior to everyone else. And, and what a horrible thing to hear at any point in life, but especially as you pointed out in adolescence, you've got hormones. Everything is so huge and important, right? Mm-hmm. That one girl I liked laughed at me and now my world's over and I'm going to go cry in the bathroom for three days when, you know, if I were to have that same experience three days later, it's like f- her three years later, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it's horrible. Yeah, well, and okay, just to get into the history of uh, the school meal program across the country. Everyone buckle in. It's time for your history history. lesson with Professor Wonderberg. Hello, class. I'm Dr. Wonderberg, PhD in metaphysics that I bought online. Anyway, um, no, the, the lunch program in this country dates back to 1916. Uh, at the federal level, and it was intended uh, to be subsidized every year through local taxes. But as the years have gone on and our government has gone back and forth from the liberal to the conservative side of the spectrum, um, politically and economically, funding really hasn't kept up with the need. Uh, In addition to that, I think it's really important that there's a huge racial dynamic that comes along with 
uh, free lunches and free breakfasts. Quite often, the schools that we see offering those programs are in school districts like mine that are um, majority um, minority students of various heritages um, and very lower working class, um, maybe tops out at middle class, um, where part of the school's funding is actually tied to the number of people they sign up for the program. Um, because that gets California a share of the federal taxes. Uh, the federal money comes to the state and then gets distributed to the schools. So like every year where I work, there's a big drive to like, okay, we got to sign everybody up. Um, and it's a big deal if you have a kid that's not and you sign them up anyway, even if you know they're going to get rejected because you need those numbers. And, you know, the, looking at programs that work um, correctly, one of the best examples of how to do this correctly comes from the Black Panthers in 1969 when they implemented the free meal program for students in Oakland that eventually went countrywide. Uh, and the Black Panthers were feeding 10,000 kids a day good, nutritious breakfasts before school across the country. And of course, you don't ever hear about it because all we ever learn about the Black Panthers is their militancy, which, you know, I'm sorry, was on the right side of history. Um, yeah, but who wrote that history? And of course, it's going to be your old white men who, yeah. <laughs> who were afraid of empowered Black people. Well, you know who was governor then, of course, old favorite of the show. And God, I hope someday I get to like spit on his grave. Ronald Reagan. Paul's favorite. Yeah. You know, fun story about that. They'll probably get cut. Our high school, Paul, yours and mine, before we were at it, the year mm -hmm. before I was there, two years before you were there, mm -hmm. they had their prom at the Nixon Library, which is in mm -hmm. California. Yeah. Well, Nixon's buried at the Nixon Library. So our students were literally dancing on Nixon's grave, which I think is amazing. Incredibly <laughs> appropriate. Yeah. Um, there, I have a couple of thoughts with this one as well here, Paul. Mm -hmm. and, and so some of you, dear listeners, might be thinking, well, you know, look at these European socialized countries. To them, the concept of free school lunch is so foreign. They're like, why would you feed them lunch at school? Well, there's a couple of factors that go into that. Number one, most of them take like a two-hour lunch because mm -hmm. meals and family time are important. And number two, those same countries all have social programs so that poorer people aren't starving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. they don't have to worry about feeding them because they don't have food. They're already feeding those families through, through social support programs. Well, and the so, scientific studies have been done on this. When you make sure that kids are fed, they learn better. They mm -hmm. are more inclined to enjoy school. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, hunger is a powerful motivating force for a kid, but also really important for the families of these children, right? No family should ever, ever have to choose between paying rent and feeding their kids, mm. you know? And we see it, we see it all the time where I work. It's one of the things that drives me crazy about current political rhetoric is, you know, let's talk about maybe constitutionalists or some of the people who are most likely to oppose feeding kids, which really, this is what this issue comes down to. If you vote no on this, you're against feeding children. These also happen to be pro-life people, which mm -hmm. I think is weird because then like a fetus, that life is more important than, you know, an eight-year-old kid. Let well, we've said, we've said this before. Pro-life isn't really pro-life. It's, it's not. It's not. It's pro-forcing your agenda and your God on women. Yeah. And let's not get into that particular, yeah. you know, pit 
this particular episode, but mm. um, okay. I think it's an- another interesting part here that you mentioned the social and the racial stigma <laughs> associated with it. And you'll see people in various, uh, in various socioeconomic schools and it's different. Like it might be a wealthy white school. It might be, a, you know, a, a poor white school and it could be black kids, Hispanic kids, white kids. It depends on the current social moray at that mm-hmm. school in particular, but you'll have people refuse free lunches, mm-hmm. even though they're eligible because they don't want to be quote unquote, those people. We don't want to be free lunch people. And, and we also, we see that particularly in, uh, in um, new immigrant or, um, you know, ch- child of immigrant families. Uh, you know, I myself am only a couple of generations removed from uh, immigrants to this country. And it's, there's a very real, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, and we should, because there's no reason not to, the push towards assimilation in this country mm-hmm. um, and the destruction of one's own culture is many pronged. And one of them is you don't want to embarrass your family by showing that you're poor yeah. in this country. And that's like, say it with me, ladies and gentlemen, it's late stage capitalism. The f- over the kids again. As, as always, towards the end of this part of the discussion, we like to, uh, you know, talk about what we might do. So Zach, what, what do you think is one thing that our listeners and ourselves could do um, to, you know, influence the situation here or to, you know, bring more awareness to it? What do you think? What do you got? I think we talk about this and it's a repeated theme. You've got to vote. And so if your representative is against school lunches, if they are against feeding children, you need to write to them and you need to vote against them. Well, let's get to something a little bit more. Yes, please. A little bit more uplifting here. It's time for another episode of Zach Mispronounces Russian Names. Woo! I know, it's everyone's favorite. So a Russian man, Vladislav Ivanov, he is a part-time model, which how do you land that gig, who was working on a Chinese boy band reality show. And the name oh of my the God. show <laughs> is Pro- Produce Camp 2021. I probably put the wrong emphasis there. I made it sound like Produce Camp, like... You know, hey, it's tomatoes. And so it's like produce fruits. camp. Is produce it produce camp? camp? All right. 2021. This is a Chinese boy band competition. He was working on it. One of the translators convinced him to go on the show because he was handsome, part time sure. model. Sure. And he ended up getting trapped on the show. <laughs> he wanted to leave because it, you know, just think about a Chinese reality <laughs> show and how horrible an experience that must be. But the contract is so strict that he would have lost more money than he could have afforded in fines for quitting the show. He begged fans to vote him off. He gave terrible performances, not just because he didn't put any energy into it, because he is a bad singer and dancer. Right. And he was stuck on it for three months now here's the good news everyone he was finally voted off right before the final round and if he had made the final round he would have been in the boy band and been subject to touring with this group for years (laughs) i shouldn't laugh like this shouldn't be funny it's definitely a schadenfreude story it's it's terrifying for this guy but Uh, hilarious but, but there are so many angles to this story and i did hear this one a while back, I just didn't know this was where you were going. Um, but there's so many angles on this. 
that are objectively funny, like that it's a boy band competition or mm-hmm. that he's Russian and does not speak Chinese, but this was a Chinese show. Yes. Um, and even more so that in giving such bad performances, it seems to have endeared him to the public. Mm-hmm. A la, you know, William Hung, what's it? William Hung, right? Yeah, you got yeah. it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a, it's a rich area for comedy. I can't wait for, I don't know, probably Seth Rogen to make a comedy about this. It sounds like a movie or even like maybe a limited run TV show where you've got a guy just in this ridiculous situation (laughs) trapped in a boy band competition. The premise is golden. (laughs) You realize now that we have to have some sort of pun off with the names of boy band songs. Oh man, I am not prepared for that. Well, you know what he should have just said is bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> I think that's all I can sing in that as well. Ooh, you know what? I bet somehow he finds a way to make money off of this. I mean, I would go on the on the late night circuit after this. I feel Definitely. like you wouldn't, you wouldn't be the first or second guest, but you'd be the third guest. From all of us here at home, thank you for listening to Did you hear this? And I'm still Paul, and we'll catch you next time. Did You Hear This is a Radio Nowhere production, co-produced by Feels Like Friday Films. From all of us here, have a better tomorrow. Tomorrow.